Watson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So the last two weeks have been a little high strung, right? We're all kind of on edge. We're ready to argue. We're ready to go at each other. It's been a high strung couple of weeks. Actually, the entire year of 2020 has been pretty high strung. We almost had World War III for God's sakes. It it hasn't exactly been a relaxing year. And people are, they're being honest with each other, especially these last two weeks. As the country has debated issues of race and race inequality, people aren't beating around the bush. There's not a lot of beating around the bush in America right now, which I think is good. It's 2020. We got to start making progress. And if being direct with people is the way to do it, great. But it's been a little high strung. It's been a little aggressive. And if you spend a lot of time on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. I think Facebook is always high strung. But Facebook, a lot of arguing, a lot of people being really direct and really honest with each other. I keep seeing tweets or or posts on Facebook where it's like, man, I had to call out my aunt or uncle today. Had to call out my mom, my dad, my daughter, my son. Doesn't matter. If people see racism, if if they see something they think is wrong, people are calling each other on it, which is great. And it's about time in 2020. Everybody is being very careful and very cognizant of what they say right now. Well, most people... Uh, Drew Brees, one example of, of maybe somebody who thought, should have thought just a little bit more carefully uh, about their choice of words. We talked about this for a few minutes yesterday. I want to start with it today because it's sports related. Aaron Rodgers got in on the conversation, so it makes it Wisconsin sports related. So beautiful. That's all I need. This is the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to start with Drew Brees, but I have a pretty fun, relaxed show today. We're going to talk about the NBA coming up in about 10 minutes because they, it's official. They're coming back. Or at least that's the plan. Everybody has voted on it, and it's moving forward. And we've talked about the proposal, the details. I'm not going to give you the rundown again. We've been beaten over the head with so many proposals and plans and ideas. I'm not going to do that. But I think this plan that the NBA has put forward is actually the best case scenario. They made the best out of a bad situation, and I'll explain why. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. At 5.30, we're going to talk to Will Salmon. He covers the Brewers for The Athletic. And I, I could ask him, I, man, I, I could make it a really boring interview. Not that Will's a boring guest, but I could ask him, well, do you think there will be baseball? And then I'll let him answer. And then I'll say, if there is baseball, how will a shortened season affect Craig Council and the Brewers? Right? Like, we, I, I could do that, but I'm, I'm actually really interested to talk to Will about baseball topics. Yes, but something a little different. Like, this is his first season covering the Milwaukee Brewers. And there are no games. Like, how weird does that have to be to get assigned to a new team, a new job, a new city, and then you get there and then there's no games to cover? Like, it's got to be a fascinating situation. So we're going to talk to Will. And yes, we'll talk about the possible return of baseball and how that affects the Brewers. But I'm not not just going to recycle the same old questions. I'm tired of asking the same old questions about baseball. So I will do my best to get some new conversation rolling. Will Salmon of The Athletic will join us coming up at 5.30. And at 5.45, I want to talk about what Mark Murphy did today. Good, good couple of days here to be a Packer fan. It's, it's, it's been really cool, and we'll talk about that before 6 o'clock as well. But I want to start with what Drew Brees had to say yesterday. Not because I want to get on my social justice high horse, and I hope that's not the impression that I've given you this week. I, I don't want to talk about Drew Brees just to lecture about race and, and social issues. That's, that's not why I'm doing it. This is very related to sports. This is a prominent sports superstar, sports figure, 
coming out and speaking on an issue and immediately being attacked by his teammates, by other athletes in his league, retired and current, by athletes of other leagues in baseball and in basketball. People went at Drew Brees yesterday all over the sports world, including Aaron Rodgers. And we'll get to all that, but before we do, I want to I set the stage. I want to play you in its entirety the question that was asked to Drew Brees and his answer. It's a minute 40 long. I want to make sure there's no confusion. I don't want you thinking that something was taken out of context or that Drew Brees was asked a leading question. Nuh-uh. The reporter from Yahoo Sports asked a very wide-open question, and Drew Brees took it where he wanted. Here's the exchange, Drew Brees yesterday, uh, speaking about the protests going on. Everyone is looking back now at Kaepernick's protests from a few years ago, and obviously they were always about police brutality, and now it's coming back to the fore, and a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts. I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that. And, of course, you're such a leader in the league. Uh, what is your responsibility as a leader uh, in times like this for the rest of your teammates and, and players in the league? Well, I, I will I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let, me, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together we can all do better, and that we are all part of the solution. If at any point in the last two weeks you have questioned or wondered why millions of Americans have taken to the streets in protests, in demonstrations, and why some people have even been moved to the point of rioting, if you've ever wondered why, that minute or so long answer, that's why. Because some people still don't get it. And I'm not disagreeing with what Drew Brees had to say about his grandfathers and his emotional experience with the national anthem before games and and how they tried to make the world a better place. Yeah, that's great, Drew. that's, That's great. But that's a red herring to the rest of the discussion. That's just a distraction. Because in the first 10 seconds, his answer, he said, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. Drew, how many times we got to explain this to you, buddy? How many times do your teammates have to say it? Other players in the league have to say it around the NFL and in the sporting world and in the world. Not just in the sporting world, but how many times do you have to hear this? How many times does this have to be explained? This is why people are protesting and demonstrating. Because after all these years, even since the civil rights movement in the 1960s and and Martin Luther King and Jim Crow, people still don't get it. Racism is so entrenched in the way our country was built that if you protest it, People think you're protesting America. Think about that. 
That puts this problem into perspective. Racism is such a big part of this country, and I'm not calling you a racist. I'm not saying I'm a racist. But racism is such a a big part of the fabric of our country and the way our country was built that if you protest racism, people think you're protesting America. The backlash to Drew Brees' comments, some of the strongest backlash I've seen on social media the last couple of years. It was unreal. And it's important to know that there are no sports going on right now. So his teammates, his competitors, former players, media members, oh, we got time. And that's why the stick to sports argument just doesn't work in 2020. It maybe worked four years ago. It doesn't work now, mostly because they're not sports. There's no sports to stick to. That's why it's a bad argument. And all these athletes and teammates of Drew Brees came down on him hard. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, to name some teammates. Ed Reed, Steven Jackson, LeBron, Malcolm Jenkins. Everybody came down on him hard yesterday. And yeah, Drew Brees apologized. It was kind of a weak apology. And a lot of people said, I, Drew, I don't care. We, we heard what you said yesterday. When pe- what did Maya Angelou say? And I don't, I, I, this isn't going to be perfectly quoted, but Maya Angelou once said, people tell you who they are. Listen, is that Maya Angelou? I'll look it up over the commercial break. But Drew Brees yesterday told everyone who he was. And everybody listened. And the apology today was just an afterthought. That's why some people are protesting. Because people don't get it. Drew Brees doesn't get it. Aaron Rodgers gets it. You saw his uh, uh, message yesterday on Instagram, which was shared on Twitter and on multiple platforms. He said, a few years ago, we were criticized for locking arms in solidarity before the game. It has never been about an anthem or a flag. Not then, not now. Listen with an open heart. Let's educate ourselves and then turn word and thought into action. Rodgers nailed it. And of course, Rodgers nailed it. Right? Every word that Rodgers says or types is calculated and is measured. So it's no surprise that Rodgers nailed it. I don't really know what Drew Brees was thinking. But Drew Brees' answer and his interview that he did yesterday should explain to you, if it wasn't clear already, why people are upset and why people are protesting. That's why. What Drew Brees said yesterday. And I'm not taking away from what Drew Brees' grandfathers did in World War II fighting to make the country a better place, and that's powerful to him. That's great. But that's not really addressing the issue at hand. The, the family story and the emotional story, that's just a red herring to the fact that Drew Brees still doesn't get it. And by the way, Drew, do you know a lot, a lot of your teammates and competitions and your contemporaries who are black? You know, their grandparents fought in the world in the World War II. It's not just white people that fought in world wars. Not disagreeing with what Drew Brees had to say, that the national anthem is a, is a powerful, powerful moment for him. And that's great. But everything he said after the fact, it doesn't matter. Drew Brees still doesn't get it. Aaron Rodgers gets it. Lots of people get it. Drew Brees doesn't. That's why people are protesting. When we come back, I want to talk about the NBA. It's a done deal. It's for real. They voted on it. They approved it. We still got two months to wait for basketball, but it's approved. We'll talk about that coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show will return right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. I hope you're having a good evening. Thanks for hanging out. Finally have some good news in 2020. And no, I'm not talking about the asteroid that apparently is hurling towards Earth. That's that's good news as well. But even better news 
The NBA is set to return. It's confirmed. They voted on it, and it's approved. And it was exciting and wonderful, and it made me happy. And basketball fans listening and sports fans listening, I bet it made you feel the same way as well. And it's great because everything we read about baseball, the players are expected to reject this proposal, or the league is expected to turn down the players' offer. They're expected to say no, 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 all the time. It's no. It's never yes. And the NBA, when they finally put their plan into place and finally made their move, both sides were expected to approve the deal, and damn it, they did it today. 22 teams, just like we talked about yesterday, right? The eight teams in both the Western and the Eastern Conferences, and then six extra teams, all of which within that that certain striking distance of the eighth seed. So it's basically the playoff teams, plus a couple extra teams that are close enough to get a fair shot. That's how it lines up. Now they're going to play eight games in the regular season, and then the top eight teams from both conference will go, but if there is a team uh, in that nine spot that's within four games of that last playoff spot, then they have a little bit of a play-in tournament. And it's very simple. The eight seed has to beat the nine seed once out of a potential two-game series, or the nine seed has to beat the eight seed twice. So that's how the play the, the play-in game would work. It wouldn't be a full series. It wouldn't be any sort of tournament. It would be a direct matchup between two teams. The eight seed would have the advantage only needing one win. The nine would need two. That's sums it up. That's about as much detail as I need to give you. We've been hit over the head with every plan and proposal and idea. We get it. We're coming back with the playoff teams plus a couple extra. Let's do this thing. Let's light this candle. I want to get really, really excited. And I want to jump up and down. But, but earlier today, I realized it's like, oh, yeah, we still have another, we have another two months. Because they're not going to start until late July. Which is pretty crazy because the NBA called it quits on March 11th. It was a Wednesday night, one of the weirdest nights of my life. I'm sure you felt the same way. So you go March, April, May, June, July, late July. It makes it about five and a half months. If I just did, I had to count on my fingers. I, I, if you listen to the show, you know I'm not a math person. It's like five and a half months later that they're going to pick up a season that was abruptly ended that Wednesday night in, in the middle of March. That's wild. In fact, I'm going to do that math again. March, April, April, May, June, July. So was that four and a half months, five and a half months? Who cares? It's a long time to pick up a season after it was ended abruptly. It's going to feel like an, a new season. And players and broadcasters and coaches or fans, are, they're going to need this huge mental reset to put, to put ourselves, and fans, myself included, I'm going to need to put myself back in the headspace I was in the middle of March. Think about that. Because since the middle of March, we've gone through a pandemic and social distancing. We can't go to our restaurants, can't go to our favorite bars, can't go to church, can't get our hair cut, can't see our family, right? Businesses are having to close or take losses or, 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 or go without money. It's been a really difficult time. We haven't exactly been thinking about the Bucks' efficiency rating or their seventh man off the bench in a playoff rotation. Doesn't mean we don't miss sports. I absolutely do miss sports. But to say we haven't had our plate full since March 11th, eh. I don't know about that. And not to mention, of course, the unrest we've had in our country the last couple of weeks that's boiled over into protests and demonstrations and riots. And then the president getting involved and all the media. It's been a mess. And four and a half months ago on March 11th when the NBA ended, mentally, I was in a completely different place. So to think we're going to pick up a season and restart right where we left off, it's, it's going to take a little bit of effort. That's why I was skeptical the NBA was going to come back in the first place. 
We didn't. It didn't feel like we were in the middle of a pause season. It felt like the season was just over. And if I felt that way, you got to think some players, coaches, officials, broadcasters. You got everybody felt that way. We had moved on, on to the next thing, to the pandemic, and to what's going on now. And now we're thinking about football. And now we're arguing about baseball. Oh yeah, the NBA. But they're coming back, and I'm and I'm glad to say I was I was proven wrong, and I guessed wrong about the NBA returning. Or not returning. It's going to feel like a brand new season. And in some ways, it's going to be a brand new season. There's a couple really interesting storylines. The the Bucks, not a lot is going to change. And I don't think a lot's going to change with the Lakers either, talking about the 2-1 seeds. I know LeBron's a couple months older, but I, I, I don't think that makes a huge difference. But for a team like the, the Clippers, who prioritize load management all year long, right? we're going to give Paul George games to rest. We're going to give Kawhi Leonard some games to rest. At the expense of chemistry and at the expense of seeding and winning games. Well, maybe if Doc Rivers and Jerry West and Michael Winger and everybody involved with the Clippers organization, maybe if they knew that they were going to have four and a half months to chill before the postseason started, maybe they would approach the regular season differently. Maybe not. But for a team that plants its flag on load management and 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 really sacrificing chemistry and seeding, well, maybe they would have been in a better spot just going pedal to the metal all regular season long. The Clippers are a fascinating story in a post-pandemic postseason. Philadelphia is interesting as well. They're a team who's terrible on the road. Terrible. in A spectacular home record and a terrible home record. The worst in the playoffs at this moment. And now you're going to make them play in a neutral location? I don't know if that's good or bad for the Sixers. Not to mention Ben Simmons was injured at the time. He's now had time to recover and, and get healthy. And Joel Embiid, who gets hurt every other day, has now had possibly all this time to get out of shape or get into shape, get healthy or get fat. Who knows? Who knows how it affects Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in the Sixers? Kemba Walker. I don't care what anybody says. Kemba Walker was not right when the NBA cut off in mid-March. Something was up. Yeah, he was healthy enough to play and be out there, but he was not the same. He didn't have the same lift, didn't have the same bounce. You got to think Kemba will be back closer to form. And when you think about it, James Harden, for the last couple of months, all the strip clubs have been shut down, so he he can't get distracted with that. He's probably going to shoot like 80% from the field when they come back. There's some really interesting storylines going on right now. I think the NBA and this plan, this, this playoff structure that they voted and decided on today, is the best possible situation. Obviously, you'd like to have all these games played in home arenas with fans. But that's just not a possibility. So complaining about it and whining about it, it's just not a good use of anyone's time. But what the NBA decided on, which is normal conferences, one through eight, normal playoff structure. But we're going to invite a couple other teams and maybe give them a shot just to make up for the shortened regular season. All right, that's a compromise. That's the best scenario possible given the circumstances. And I like a couple different elements of this format. Number one, it protects the number one seeds. It protects the Bucks and the Lakers, who earned home court advantage but will not get it. It protects the Bucks and the Lakers. Here's why. They're going to play eight regular season games. The Bucks are six and a half games up on the number two seeded Toronto Raptors, and the Lakers are five and a half games up on the Los Angeles Clippers. Both the Bucks and the Lakers are out of striking distance, realistically, of the next seed if you're only playing eight games. So the Bucks and the Lakers really aren't at risk of losing the one seed, which they earned. I like that. Because the Bucs and the Lakers don't get home court, 
this makes up for it a little bit. Now the Bucks and the Lakers have flexibility. Do they want to play Giannis a full workload in those eight games? Or do you want to bring him back slowly? Do you want to bring back George Hill and Chris Middleton slowly? Who knows? But the Bucks and the Lakers have flexibility to do what they want with those eight games because they're out of striking distance with the way that the conclusion of the regular season has been designed. I like that. It also protects the two through the six seeds in a way. Toronto, they're three and a half games up on the Celtics. They're probably not going anywhere. They're they're entrenched in the two seed. The Clippers are a game and a half up on the Nuggets. That's a little bit up for debate, but I'm more so talking about the six, seven teams or the five, six, seven teams. Now we get it. The Grizzlies and the Magic, the two teams in the eight spot, are going to have to defend that eight spot. But a team like the Mavericks, who's in the seventh spot, and seven games ahead of the eight spot, the Mavericks earned that playoff spot. They shouldn't have to compete for it. They're seven games ahead of the eight spot. So the Mavericks are entrenched. But the teams in the eight seeds, they have to defend it. I'm okay with that. That makes sense to me. And you know what? It even protects the eight seed. Even if it doesn't seem like it, it gives an advantage to the Magic and the Grizzlies who are in that spot at the end of the regular season. Because even if Portland gets a couple of games back, or the Pelicans or the Kings, or even if the Wizards somehow make a run and close in on the eight seed at the Magic. The Magic and the Grizzlies, the current eight seed, still have an advantage if it gets to a play-in scenario because they only have to win one game in comparison to the other team's two games. So I know there's no home court advantage and there's no travel advantage and there's no game seven home court advantage, but the way that the NBA has designed this gives every advantage possible to the higher seeds which is the whole point of the 60-plus games that were played in the regular season. Protects the one seeds, the Lakers and the Bucks. They're locked in in that one seed. That ain't going anywhere. It protects the seven seeds like the Mavericks, who, yeah, they're close to the bottom of the playoff picture, but they're way ahead the ace seed. They're not going anywhere. They shouldn't have to defend that spot, and they don't. And it also protects the Grizzlies and the Magic. If the scenario arises where they have to defend that eight seed, they'll get an advantage. I like that. I like it. This is the best of a bad situation. The NBA did a great job. Adam Silver's statement was great. Everything was great. I love it. I'm so back in on the NBA. Now, baseball, I'm a little indifferent on. We're going to talk to uh, Will Salmon. He covers the Brewers for The Athletic. And this is his first season with the club. I cannot wait to ask him what it's like to join the beat of a team and then not have games to cover. It's got to be weird. We're going to talk to him. And yeah, we'll get into the, the potential comeback of baseball as well. That all coming up next. More of the Wisco Sports Show on the way. Stay right here. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. I want to hear from you coming up in about 15 minutes. We're going to talk about the role of sports in social justice. The Packers posted their video yesterday and their statement from Mark Murphy. The Brewers have posted a statement. Bucks, all the teams getting in on the action. I want to hear your thoughts coming up in about 15 minutes about the role or what you believe the role of sport is in uh, in social justice and in change. So that's coming up in about 15 minutes. Right now, uh, welcoming in a new guest to the program here on WKTY on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. That's Will Salmon. He is now covering the Brewers for The Athletic. First of all, Will, I appreciate you giving me a couple of minutes today. I appreciate you talking to me. I, I got to ask, just because I'm curious, uh, something I've realized is I talk to, to writers, especially beat writers of teams, is a lot of times beat writers don't cover the sport that's their favorite. 
right? I, I talked to Michael Cohen used to cover uh, the Packers for the Athletic, and he's a huge soccer fan. He doesn't even really like football as a fan that much. Are, are you an NBA fan? You, you an NFL fan? Where do you stand with your uh, with your sports fandom? Well, actually, I was covering college football for the past five years, and I did, I grew up in New York City, and as a lot of people would probably guess and guess correctly. New York City isn't exactly a hotbed for college football. True. So I think I grew up a college football fan. And so that, that was a sport that grew on me as the years went by, but it certainly wasn't my first choice. And baseball actually was. So after a few years of covering a couple of different schools in the SEC and the last couple of years covering the Florida Gators for the Athletic, we had the opening for the Brewers. And it was a great opportunity for me is the way I saw it because Baseball was actually something that I, I did want to cover, and I've always wanted to cover. So it has lined up, so I'm actually covering, covering the sport I grew, grew up watching and became a huge fan of. Yeah, I, well, first of all, welcome to Milwaukee, and we're glad to have you on the Brewers beat. I know the show isn't broadcast in Milwaukee, but the Brewers, the Brewers like the Packers, are a very, they're a very statewide team. I don't always feel that way about the Milwaukee Bucks. Right now I do because they are so competitive, but the Brewers from, from top to bottom, from from the river on the west side to the lake on the east side. Everybody is a Brewers fan, and it's not unique just to Milwaukee. Well, we're glad to have you. What's it like getting to town to cover a team and then actually not not having games to cover? That's got to be weird. Yeah, it's very different. It's sometimes hard and sometimes pretty challenging sure. and for a lot of different reasons. But what's been kind of, I guess, a silver lining, if there is any, is it has allowed me to sort of reflect and do a lot of research on some projects that I otherwise wouldn't have attempted or tackled. And that has helped me gain an appreciation for the, the history of the Brewers sure. and sort of just glean some information or just sort of go back into time a little bit and do some research and be filled in, I guess. Uh, for lack of a better way to put it. And that part's been kind of fun, and it's been enjoyable, and I've learned a lot. And so, uh, you know, part of me is kind of thankful for that in in a weird way, or at least I'm happy that I've tried to at least make the most of a really bad situation for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, well, I I guess I didn't think of it that way, but it doesn't surprise me because a lot of your content at The Athletic has been... I've really liked it because it hasn't focused on the comeback or possible comeback of baseball, but it has instead looked backwards. And and you have this awesome article. I would encourage our listeners to go read it um, about the Brewers from 2000 to 2008 and how they built that team with Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder and how they came to be contenders. I, I really like some of the pieces that you've done looking back instead of just echoing the same topic that that everybody has talked about. I want to ask you about baseball coming back, but I but I want to save that. I first want to ask about your conversation with David Stearns yesterday. So he had a conference call, and you have a piece up uh, at The Athletic. And I read it earlier today. It it seems to me that David Stearns feels really optimistic. And, and he spoke about the social justice issues going on in our country, and, and he seemed optimistic about the progress that we can make in that front. And then also spoke optimistically about the potential comeback of baseball. I, I haven't got that vibe from anybody else. It seems very pessimistic to me. What did you take away from that press conference yesterday? What stuck out to you most from David Stearns? Well, his optimism has sort of remained ever since the shutdown occurred, really. I mean, he was 
from the first time we spoke to him right afterwards, he was optimistic that eventually we will get back to it and back to the field and back to playing, back to watching it, back to covering it. Yeah. And so that hasn't changed. And so I wasn't really all that surprised that he would remain that way because, let's face it, I mean, he's not going to get on a conference call and say, you know, hey, guys, yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> you know, sorry, guys, we're yeah. not playing. I, I just don't see that happening, even if um, maybe he actually felt that way. And, and I don't think he does. I think, he, I think his optimism is genuine because part, a big part of me feels the same way, where if you log on Twitter and you see a lot of back and forth, a lot of that is to be expected because we're talking about very, very wealthy owners on one side and one of the strongest uh, unions in the country on the other. And so they're not going to agree right away. And frankly, I, they probably shouldn't for, for their own interests. Um, just because, yeah, you want baseball to come back. I think everybody, obviously everybody does, um, but they have, things that they feel strongly about from a financial and economic standpoint. And so I can understand it. Uh, not that I agree with the back and forth and the bickering. Yeah. Um, I can understand it. I know that's probably like a, not the most popular opinion there. Um, but I am, I am optimistic about it. I think on a scale of like one to 10, I'd probably be somewhere close to an eight on whether or not baseball would, will be back. Um, because I agree with what David Stern's, had to say for the most part on, you know, a lot of it could be just a lot of posturing and let's face it, like the first agreements or the first proposals, if you're trying to negotiate, you're not going to just throw out the most reasonable thing right away, get you an agreement. I mean, yeah. we would all love that, but that's just not how it works. And so a lot of it has been kind of like what I expected. Will Salmon covers the Brewers for The Athletic, uh, joining us on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Will, even if baseball comes back, the reason why my optimism and excitement has gone down is because the NBA has now announced they're going to be back in late July with the postseason. They're going to go right to the postseason. So those games, to me, have more urgency than regular season baseball. And then the NFL and college football, hopefully, if everything goes well, are going to be right around the corner. I'm just concerned that even if baseball can get it done and they, they reach a deal and they return to play, it's going to be too late. And look, I'm going to watch sports if they're on. Don't get me wrong. I don't care if they're all on at once. I'll find a way to watch because we've been starved for sports for months. But it seems like a little bit of a wasted opportunity if baseball can't get it figured out until late this summer. Then it seems like the moment has almost passed. What, what do you think of the timing of the whole return or possible return of, of Major League Baseball? Yeah, I would agree with you on that point because they have the opportunity to sort of be first, assuming that it can get done safely, of course. Yeah. And there's value in that if it's done safely, again, um, and, and being that first one because all eyes will be on you. And, yeah, <laughs> if basketball is being played, uh, the NBA more specifically, and the NFL and even college football in certain parts of the country – Baseball is going to be distant, um, at least behind two of those. And in some parts of the country, it would be behind college football as well. Um, so definitely behind NBA and NFL, uh, and that's not good. And so, yeah, it, it's not ideal. And they have that opportunity. It would be a shame, again, if, it, if there's a path toward doing it safely, it would be a shame for it to go by and them to not be at the forefront and to be that sport that, has that opportunity to be the first one that 
people look to and people watch uh, because it's there. Uh, we, we all realize that there, there's an opening for it. Um, they can get off and playing at some point in July, you would think, if an agreement is reached uh, anywhere between, like, say, now and maybe next week or so. So, yeah, I'm with you on that point. I think it's a good point. Um, it's an observation that I agree with. Will Salmon covers the Brewers the Athletic. Will, this was awesome, and it's nice to it's it's nice to meet you. I know we can't meet face-to-face, although no one's meeting face-to-face right now, but I, I try to get Brewers people on all summer, right? And and this summer's going to be a little bit different because the NBA is going to be playing in July, which is going to be weird, and, and we're going to start to gravitate towards football so early just because we want anything to talk about. Um, but I appreciate you giving me some time because it's a long summer for me to try to cover everything that goes on with the Brewers from the minor leagues to stuff like service time that I swear I try to learn about and I try, I try to read and I still feel like I have no idea what's going on. So I really appreciate some of your expertise and, and I enjoy reading your stuff at The Athletic Will. I hope to talk again soon. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, be well, Will. That's Will Salmon. He covers the Brewers for The Athletic. And I didn't even think about that. I And, and I go to The Athletic for a big chunk of my sports news, right? Especially for like opinion pieces and columns. Obviously, you can get stuff for free from Woj and from Adam Schefter and obviously at WK2Isports.com as well. But for people on the beat, The Athletic is really, really good between the Brewers, the Bucks, and the Packers. But Will's been writing some articles, and I guess I never really made the connection, that aren't in the here and now, but they're about the history of the Brewers, even if it's recent history. I mean, he... He, uh, two days ago, put out an article, and I'm looking at the page now. It says, new draft rules would have left the Brewers' Lorenzo Cain out in the cold, right? Or uh, the, one, the, the article I mentioned about taking Ryan Braun versus Troy Tulowitzki and, and Prince Fielder and how the Brewers drafted and built a contender from 2000 to 2008. And I guess it's not that different from what we've been doing on this show, right? Once a week, we've been watching an old Packer game and, talk about, and talking about it. So I think a lot of people during the sports shutdown have have looked backwards and looked at the history of their teams and, and, and watched old games they've forgotten about. So I, I think we're all a little bit like Will in, in that sense, where we're getting so bored that we're starting to look backwards and we might just be becoming better sports fans, more educated sports fans uh, because of it. You can follow him on Twitter, at Will Salmon. I hope to have him back. I hope we have games to talk about at some point. I love talking Brewers. I love talking Brewers. I hope we can do it this summer because I know how much our listeners all over, not just lacrosse, but like I said, Superior down to Prairie du Chien, lacrosse all the way over to Green Bay. The Brewers, like the Packers, cover everybody in this state. So I, I know you guys like talking Brewers. I hope we I hope we get some games to talk about this summer. When we come back, I, I want to spin all the way back around to what we started the show with, and that's the role of sports and athletes in social justice movements. And I, I want to keep it very centered on Wisconsin sports. Like, like I said, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm trying to get on a soapbox here. It's not what I'm doing. But I want to take a look at what the Packers have said, what Aaron Rodgers said yesterday, and maybe what the Brewers and Bucks have done as well. And does it matter? Like, it's nice to see it on social media, and it, and it looks nice, but, but does it really matter? 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. We'll wrap the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. I am so sick of Zach Heilprin stealing my thunder. Anytime I want to talk about something, Zach has to mention it first. We're going to talk about the Packers and Mark Murphy and his statement and what they're doing to to help the cause uh, and to contribute to the movement that's passing over our country right now. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're doing well. Hopefully you're getting through your week okay. 
Check out the podcast for this show at WK2iSports.com and on our mobile app. That way you can catch up on what you missed. I get it. We can't listen every day. We're busy people. And I'd like to think that you listen to every second of every show every day, but we got stuff going on. We're busy. I'm not, I, that would be unrealistic. It would be an unfair expectation. But you don't have to miss out. Check out the podcast. I said to start the show today, wasn't yesterday an amazing day to be an Aaron Rodgers fan? It, it, it was amazing. So Drew Brees says something ignorant, and Aaron Rodgers dunks on him. And this is, this is a me thing. This is a sports thing, not a social justice thing. But so many people put Drew Brees very incorrectly on the same tier of quarterback as Aaron Rodgers. That's a separate conversation. But it was just great to watch and read and listen as Aaron Rodgers just took a dunk all over Drew Brees yesterday. So this is what Brees had to say when asked about potential protests this upcoming NFL season. Well, I, I will I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let, me, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. Okay, so Drew Brees really didn't say anything incorrectly there, right? He said, I get emotional. I think of my grandparents who fought in World War II. That's what I think of when I hear the National Anthem. Awesome, Drew. That doesn't take away from what you said at the beginning. I'll never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States. Drew, you don't get it. This is why people are protesting. is because you think that kneeling during a song is, is to disrespect a country or a flag or our military. No. It was always to protest racism and police brutality in our country that has existed for decades and decades and decades. And if you go back and you read Colin Kaepernick's comments after his first protest, that's what he said. His words, not mine. We changed the conversation in 2016. We made it about something it wasn't. And now we're doing it again. Drew Brees is doing it again. And he just doesn't get it. Drew Brees doesn't get it. To start this answer, he said, I don't agree with anybody protesting. This is what he said. Just focus on the first three seconds. Well, I, I, will, I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. There you go. That's all I need to hear. The, the rest of what he said, it was about a, a minute and a half long answer. The rest of what he said is, is a red herring. It's only meant to distract and, and to take away from the topic at hand, which is the protests. And the protests aren't anti-military. They're not anti-America or anti-the American flag. They're anti-police brutality and anti-racism. Racism is such a big part of the fabric of our country. And it's been since the very beginning when we brought slaves over. Racism is such a big part of our country that if you protest racism, people, like Drew Brees in this instance, will think you're protesting America. And that's just not the case. Drew Brees doesn't get it. That's why people are protesting. Aaron Rodgers gets it. He said a few years ago, we were criticized for locking arms in solidarity before the game. It's never been about an anthem or a flag. Not then, not now. Listen with an open heart. Let's educate ourselves and then turn word and thought into action. Beautiful. Now, not to get personal here, and, and, and not to tell you about my feelings, but yesterday was a pretty cool day to be a Packer fan, and so was today. Yesterday was a really cool day to be an Aaron Rodgers fan, because 2020 hasn't exactly been kind to Aaron Rodgers. 
right? Between what happened in the San Francisco game and then the drafting of Jordan Love. Pro Football Focus left him off the top 50 players in the NFL the other day, which is whatever. And then yesterday, Aaron Rodgers went and did that and just dunked all over Drew Brees. Perfect. Nailed it. And got the point, which Drew Brees didn't. Most importantly, he understands what's going on. And to say that yesterday was a great day for Aaron Rodgers fans, and it was a day where I felt joy and I felt pride, and I said as such on my Twitter account, at KeystrokerGrand, I tweeted about it last night. You might think that that's a little selfish of me to extend my Aaron Rodgers fandom and my sports fandom into the world of social justice. But you know what? It's been a tough couple of months. You may think it's selfish of me, but in the year 2020, we've gone through a scare of World War III, a coronavirus which took away sports, took away family gatherings, took away graduations, took away church, took away people's businesses, took away people's paychecks. We're now going through race unrest with a president who has no interest in calming things down or addressing the problem, but rather pinning people against themselves. Sorry, got a little bit more political there than I wanted. It's been a tough year, and we're going to have an election in a few months. Think about that. We haven't even gotten to that little joyful nugget of our 2020 yet. It's been a tough year. So I think it's okay for Packer fans to wrap our arms around each other and around our quarterback, number 12, and say, you know what? Thank you. Made me feel happy. Made me feel proud. And today, the Packers went another step further. As Zach Heilprin said in that Wisconsin Sports Zone update, Mark Murphy contributing $250,000 to social causes, social justice causes around the state. And then the Packers are going to match that two hundred fifty dollars to make it an even half a million dollars. I thought the Packers' statement, which first came out in the form of a video, and they included a bunch of their players in it. Kevin King, David Bakhtiari, Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, Matt LaFleur, Billy Turner, Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Preston Smith, all chiming in a blurb here and there about their thoughts And yeah, it took a couple of days for the Packers to get it together, but they did a really good job. And then Mark Murphy put out a personal statement today, and it was excellent. If you haven't read it, you should go check it out. In fact, I'll retweet it at our WKTY Twitter account right now. So if you follow us at WKTY, you can see the Packers statement there. More specifically, the statement of Mark Murphy and his wife, who contributed $250,000. I know this moment is bigger than sports, It's way bigger than sports. But in a difficult year where we've had a pandemic, a scare of a world war, we're going through race unrest, and we're going to have an election, I'm okay to take the small victories where I can get them. And yesterday was a small victory for Packers fans. And look, sports are really, really powerful. You guys get it. You're listening to the show. Sports can can do things that other avenues just can't. Something about sports. And yesterday just got a little bit of a taste of that. And it was awesome. Good for Aaron Rodgers. Good for the Packers. It's not me saying the Packers did it better or they are better than another team. I'm just saying I'm happy to be a Packer fan. In a year where we don't have sports, it was a good sports fix yesterday. Same time, same place tomorrow. We'll be back on the Wisco Sports Show for a Friday edition. Talk to you then.